everyone, I'm Bailey. I'm Drew. And I'm Lacey. And, and we're, we're sarcastic, sarcastic, so let's get sinister. As you may have remembered, you two, and also the listeners, last week we did our Murderous Mothers episode. That's um, a dark, dark episode. Yeah, it was a bit of a downer, I would say. Just in time for Mother's Day. That was not a play on words for Debbie Downs. Diane Downs. Diane Downs. That Diane Downer. <laughs> she, she's a real Debbie Downer. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we thought it would be nice. If we sandwiched Mother's Day with a really nice, with a more uplifting story, yeah, <laughs> of, a, of a mom, so a non-murderous mom, yeah, a survival mother. So I have prepared for you a story about a survivor we story, and I just want to preface it by saying that um, after she was rescued the first words she said were are my kids okay good so mom. good mom this is a story about a good mom yeah. much better than the three moms last week yes to be fair gertrude wasn't bad to her kid yeah i was gonna say my mom as a person my my wanda didn't do anything to her kid well i was gonna say my story or my pom-pom mom but i was like the psychological abuse she turned out okay but she forced her to she, it was like it was a really good lesson of how not to behave. Oh, one of those mm-hmm. same thing. Gertie, same thing. Yeah, how not to behave, and when things go too far. Yeah, don't kill the kids you're babysitting. And I bet they it was grew up really, and she, one out of two. Okay, yeah. your your mom is the only one that actually killed her own kids. She did. So I would say yours might be the worst mom. Okay, <laughs> I'm not going to defend her. <laughs> I wouldn't. We could call her that. All right, so are you guys ready? Yeah. I got most of my information from the victim. Oh, fun. Oh. I didn't talk to her. Did you oh. her? Um, <laughs> she did an interview, and I watched it, and she was, like, telling her whole story. Yeah. And then I did, like, research further. But, yeah. So it was kind of cool because it was a different perspective. And I think you guys will like this one because, you know, girl power. Um, it was a girl? Yes, so Terry Jendusa. She grew up in a suburb of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with her loving parents and three siblings. She enjoyed high school, had a lot of friends, and um, but she was in a hurry to get married and start a family of her own. She was like ready to get out there and start moving on with life. She originally met David M. Larson in college. Years later, David resurfaced in her circle of friends. They started talking and found that they actually had a lot in common. They both wanted to start a family, was the main thing that they had in common. But he was also active in his church. He had a nice home. And he was a hardworking air traffic controller. All of these things seemed like green flags to Terry. Sure. Or did it. So they started dating. And their relationship appeared happy, healthy, and loving. They married in April of 1996. That's the year you were born. 
and honeymooned was in. Was it? Yes. They honeymooned in Hawaii. Oh, I was just there. I know. That's why I looked at you. What island? Uh-huh. <laughs> One of them for sure. It was part of Hawaii. Um, it was a it was like a fairy tale until David let a glimpse of his true self flicker while in Hawaii. Abusive. Oh, no. They argued about what Terry was going to wear on a hike. She wanted to wear a bikini. No. Why? Do you have an actual reason why? Or why would well? I need because it's Hawaii and it's hot. No, well, it does feel like a weird thing to wear on a hike. But was his argument like, "I don't want you wearing a bikini in public," kind of thing? Yes. Okay, then. Well, but like, so when you say hike for me, I always prepare. You, yeah, to you think like a on a mountain, but yeah. yeah. I just think it was from just where like I've hiked in the past. I'm always preparing just in case we get lost. I or don't. Something. I don't think that they were planning on like climbing up a mountain. I think they were just going on a, like a stroll through the wilderness. But of here's Hawaii. the thing: Did she have sunscreen on? Because melanoma. I don't even think it got to that point because he told her no. Okay. Which. Just yeah. like I did, but I. Well, I just like when when the husband's like, "No, you're not wearing that." I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> if he was like, oh, I don't think that's safe. That's not a, here, that's that doesn't seem thing. like a good idea. Right. Poison Ivy. You can't wear a bikini Fuck in public boys. because you're my wife. Ticks. Then it's a problem. Yeah. He believed a wife he believed a wife was to obey her husband. It was in the Bible, so it was law. Mm. From there, things just continued to slowly sour. Mm. I think his thing was now that we're married. Yeah. You are my possession. So very like nineteen. Plus he couldn't let her see any of that before they were married. Because well they they weren't married. Yeah. Because they weren't yeah. Well also you can't trap someone into a marriage and voice showing that part of your personality. Mm-hmm. Come on, Lacey. So after their honeymoon you're wearing a Hawaii shirt. They I got this in Hawaii. <laughs> Connections. They finished their honeymoon and settled in Wind Lake, Wisconsin. Is it windy there? I don't know. Lou was just in Wisconsin and said it was constantly snowing. So. May. It was April when he was there. That's yeah. gross. Yeah. He, like, he was saying he should have brought his, um, he calls them wellies. But, like, he should have worn them because it was, like, he had to trudge through snow just to Is get to his truck. snow boots? It's rain boots. Oh. But they, like, go up to his knees and he can get wet with them. But, like, I was like, oh, that's nice. It's 80 degrees here. <laughs> the windows are open. Anyway, come back to Pennsylvania. <laughs> anyway, um, David would yell and berate Terry constantly and just like over minor things. For example, he would yell at her if the window curtains were out of place or if the towels weren't folded the way he liked. Well, some people Sounds are like he OCD. Should fold some towels. He insisted she keep the door open when showering or using the bathroom. No. She became so afraid of his outburst, she'd hide any evidence of accidents like breaking a glass. In the neighbor's trash can. Oh. Once, David pulled a freezer-burnt sausage link out of their trash and yelled at her for wasting his money. So, I want to make sure that you have, like, the right idea about Terry. Um, she wasn't, like, a shrinking, frightened, broken woman. Like, when he yelled at her, she didn't just, like, oh, I'm sorry. When he yelled at her about the freezer-burnt sausage... Her response was, do you want me to cook it up and you can eat it? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. She'd was... rather me cook it so we don't waste your yeah, money. Yeah, exactly. That was, like, her mindset. 
Despite the abuse, Terry and David were married for three years and had two daughters together, Amanda and Holly. However, things hit their breaking point in 1999. Terry was making spaghetti and had all the ingredients out on the counter. David demanded that she put the noodles away before they, quote, went bad. What? Were they cooked yet? No, they were just all ready, on the counter, ready to, to go. go. throw them in the woods. Terry responded, and David told her it didn't matter if he made sense or not. She was to do as he said. So the argument escalated, and Terry soon fled down to the basement, and like, because that was the, um... Okay, so David had installed locks on the inside of the doors that only he had the keys for. Terry hid from David in a box in the basement, and whilst there, she reflected on her marriage and decided this wasn't what she wanted. She didn't want to have to hide in a box in the basement for yeah. the rest of it. She Not also thought... Only when you're playing hide-and-seek, but the fun version. Yeah. She also thought of their daughters, knowing that eventually David would turn his abuse towards them. And in 1999, the girls were two years old and two months old. So one night, Dave came home ranting and raving. The older daughter was screaming, crying, and covering her ears with her hands. She ran underneath the table and told Dave to shut up, shut, and shut up. The two-year-old. Dave started to go after her, saying, you don't tell me to shut up. And that's when Terry was like, that's it. And she took the girls and went to a shelter. So good for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I know that this might come as a surprise to you, but David did not make the divorce go smoothly. Oh, I'm shocked to hear that. He fought every step of the way to make it the longest and most exhausting divorce possible. Did he also, like, fight for to want the kids? Of I'm course. sure. He needs to exert his influence. In court, David was crying, and as they left, he told Derry that she'd regret this. So, I wrote, as I'm sure you can guess, he didn't make custody decisions easy either. Terry argued in court that because he was abusive to her, he shouldn't be alone with their daughters. The court was simply impressed by the fact that a father wanted to spend time with his children. Oh, dear God. So he was granted joint custody. Fuck. During custody exchanges, David would verbally and physically assault Terry. Terry began insisting that the exchange be done at a public place. She eventually called the police on two separate occasions. After the divorce... Terry met Nick Nikolai. We like him. Okay. They met in a professional choir that she had joined. In October of 2003, Terry and Nick married, and Terry became Terry Jendusa Nikolai. He loved Terry and her daughters. Terry was thrilled to finally have a positive male role model for her daughters. I'm worried about him. On You don't have to be. Okay. On January 30th, 2004, Terry and Nick found out that they were expecting. Yay! They were very excited to tell Amanda and Holly the news, but it would have to wait because they were with David at the time. Mm. So while David had custody, they found out they were pregnant. Terry really wanted to co-parent her daughter successfully, hoping that David would move beyond the animosity. She was in a new chapter of her life, and she wanted him to, you know, She wanted to be happy, and she didn't want to deal with the previous chapter. So, in the middle of January, during the custody exchange, David, so before they found out that they were pregnant, David threatened to shoot both Nick and Terry. He told Nick to get the hell off his property and take the whore with him. Hmm. When Terry tried to reason with David, he repeatedly asked her, Do I bring my girlfriend to your house? 
I feel like they should have had a supervisor at the exchange. exchanges. They should have done it at a police station. Yeah. But David was very, I'm not going there. You need to bring them to my house about it. Terry filed a restraining order at, against David, and it was granted on January 22nd. With the order, David was not allowed to possess weapons. However, Terry felt confident that he still kept his guns. On January 31st, so the day after they found out they were pregnant, it was a very cold, snowy day. It was like 17 degrees outside. Oh, sure. It had been three... Yeah, it was also in Wisconsin, so... It had been three years to the day since they divorced... David had asked Terry if she could pick the girls up from his house rather than meet in the neutral location. Terry agreed and said she'd be there at 10 o'clock. Please have the girls ready. She was trying, I think she was trying to be mature and be a bigger person about it. Yeah. Um, she was also like really excited to tell them the news. They had a birthday party to go to that afternoon and David house, David's house was on the way to the party. So she, her plan was to pick the girls up, go right to the party. Nick offered to come along for the exchange, but Terry was worried that David would freak out again, so she was like, no. You, you're just gonna set him off. You stay here. David still lo- still lived in the house that they shared when they were married. However, it had devolved into basically squalor. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she wasn't there to fold the towel. Right. Or fix the curtains. Yeah. But he had, like, he was the one who was like, it needs to be like this, but he couldn't do it. Right. It's a wife's That's job. What wife's and now he doesn't have a wife, so he's struggling Conditions bordered on hoarding, hmm. and among the hoard, David had mementos from his and Terry's wedding, such as her dress, photo albums, video footage. He'd show the girls these items as proof that mommy doesn't keep her promises. Wow. Yeah, so he's a good dad. Definitely sounds like how, he should have custody of his children. How did they not, like, know about, like, shouldn't the court be aware of the hoarding situation and know that that's a dangerous environment? Well, they're so, impressed that he wants to have his kids. Yeah. So, um. But it sounds like he only wants the girls to take them away from Terry. It, like, so, and to yeah. talk down. Just to Terry. be a, a dick about it. Here's a picture of them at their marriage, their wedding. That's Terry and that's David. Mm-hmm. And then this is the picture of his house. It's not like, the worst hoard. I know. It's I was going to say, they said it's bordering on hoarding, but I'm like, we've also been binge-watching hoarders for forever. This is not that bad. That's just cluttered. I feel like he, um... Yeah, it's just his, messy. Based on his, the way that he treated Terry and his, you know, the wife obeys the husband because of the Bible and stuff, I feel like he wanted his girls because he was like, I'm their father. They're mine. Yeah. You're not going to take them from me. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I love them and want them, but these are mine. So, real quick, we took a pause, and now we're outside. Because it's so beautiful out. It's it's a lovely day. All our recordings are going to be outside when it's this nice out. Mm -hmm. So, if you hear birds chirping in the background, or cars. Anyway. you? I don't know. I got too excited. Okay. Okay, so, David, where we left off, David said, you need to come to the house to pick up the girls. Terry, being mature was like, okay, it's on the way anyway. And we're suspicious. So, to to Reverie, Terry arrived at the house, and it was about a five-minute drive from her home. She knocked on the door. David answered and said, they're not ready yet. Which, if you remember, she She said, please make sure they're going to a party. And then he closed the door in her face. She went back to the car and waited. After about ten minutes, Terry got out of the car and knocked on the door once again. Mm-hmm. He answered and sighed and told Terry that the girls were hiding 
and wanted Terry to go and find them. Oh, no. Terry's gut told her not to. Something didn't feel quite right. Dave had never let Terry inside the home since the day she took all her belongings and left. So this was kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. But she's a good mom, and she was in a hurry, and she knew that that was very characteristic of her daughters. They loved to play hide-and-seek. She thought it'd be easiest just to go in, find them, be like, oh, mommy, where could the girls be? And, you know, and then leave. She didn't want to upset them. She was very excited to share the news about the baby. Mm -hmm. So she just wanted to move this along. Little did she know, the girls weren't playing the game. David had locked them in a bedroom and turned the TV up loud. Oh, wow. Terry entered the home and remember saying, gee, I wonder where they are, Mm -hmm. as she headed towards the living room. Then she remembers a clunk on the head before losing consciousness. I wonder what that was. Could have been anything. Yeah. Three hours after Terry and the girls should have been back, Nick called the police. He gave the dispatchers the address of David Larson, where Terry was supposed to be picking up the girls. Dispatchers immediately recognized the address. A few hours before Nick's call, a woman had called, and between breaths, given the same address. Police were already at the house, but it was empty, because they believed the person to be in a medical emergency, not being able to breathe, they kicked in the door. Then, another 911 call came in. This time, the operator thought the call was a prank. The police had spoken to neighbors who said they'd seen David towing Terry's car earlier that morning. Detectives found black sweatpants, a large bloodstain on the carpet, and an empty handgun case. Oh, promising. They also found duct tape stuck to the sweatpants. The tape appeared to have blood on it. An Amber Alert was issued, but returned nothing because the girls were also not in the house. Milwaukee PD found Terry's car near one of David's rental properties in Milwaukee. Wheeling PD in Illinois, so one state down, found Dave at his place of work with no sign of his wife or kids, ex-wife or kids. They told him that his ex was missing and asked him to come down to the station. He reportedly walked into the interview room with a sort of arrogance about himself. Oh, good. Seems like he would. Fitting. (laughs) Yeah. Detectives Chris Schmalling and David Naus spent six and a half hours questioning Dave. He told them that, quote, that bitch hadn't shown up to pick up the girls, so he dropped them off at his girlfriend's house before going to work. Then he went off on a tirade about how terrible Terry was in his life. Mm. He said he'd been dealing with this for years, every Saturday, ever since the divorce. She breaks my balls over it, about me being a bad father and all. Meanwhile, they found the girls at the girlfriend's house at around 10 p.m., safe and sound. Amanda and Holly told police that they hadn't seen their mother at all that day. When told that Terry was missing, Dave said he didn't know anything. He said he dropped the kids off and then went to work. Next thing he knew, police were talking to him. He suggested that Terry was trying to set him up. But they saw... Yeah. Well, yeah. They knew he was lying, but they just wanted to let him talk. (laughs) Um, So detectives asked when Terry was last in his house. Dave said, quote, we have an unwritten rule in my house. She never comes into my house. I never go into her house. And we never break that rule. Mm. So detectives finally told David that they'd found Terry's pants, socks, and blood in his home. It was at this time when detectives noticed the jeans he was wearing had deep red stains on them on the thigh area. That could have been anything. 
Detectives pointed the blood out, and Dave started getting emotional. He claims that Terry attacked him, and he responded in self-defense. But yet he still made it. To I know work that we already and lied. I know we already acknowledged that he's very arrogant, mm-hmm. but I feel like leaving her bloody pants or whatever it was just inside your house was pretty fucking stupid. Yeah. Dave said that he was putting the girls' homework away in their backpacks when he looked up and there was Terry. She was standing over him with a hammer raised in her hand and her pants around her ankles. <laughs> Could you- <laughs> what a stupid story. She dropped her pants and came after me. Out of fear, he grabbed a nearby bat and struck Terry in the head with it. He said she fell down, and he grabbed duct tape. But he didn't know why. I don't know why I grabbed the duct tape. Uh, I panicked, because her pants were off. Yeah. So, why wouldn't you try talking to her? And be like, what the fuck are you doing? Before you grab a bat. Shut up. Do you need a He's probably bigger than her. The rest, he said, was a blur. Detectives continued questioning him, and poking holes, and pointing out flaws in his story. They had enough to detain David and collected the items he had on his person. But Dave continued to tell them he couldn't remember what happened to Terry. At 4 a.m., Detective Schmalling was sent home to rest and told to reconvene at 7 a.m. He couldn't sleep, however. He returned to the station and decided to look through Dave's possessions. He started with his wallet. Inside his wallet, they found many business cards and receipts. Oh boy. Among them was a card for a storage facility near the town where David owned property. Detective, Schma- Detective Schmalling wondered, why would a guy who lives in Wind Lake, Wisconsin, have a storage facility in Wheeling, Illinois? Good question. That is a great question. Schmalling returned to questioning David while another detective, Detective Keith Dobish, called the facility. He confirmed that David had a, had a unit which he'd visited that morning. Someone had entered the code to enter the unit, and about 20 minutes later, they entered the code to get out. Enough to drop a body. Mm-hmm. The detective asked the employee to go to the locker and see if he could see or hear anything unusual. The guy comes back with an urgent voice and tells the detective that he could hear faint cries for help. That's unusual. Yeah, Dobesh being in Wisconsin, told the employee to call 911 to get the Illinois police to the facility ASAP. Police office, police found Terry in the corner of the unit in a trash can on February 1st, 2004. The officers said that, they, that other than having long hair and a soft-spoken female voice, you couldn't even tell whether it was a male or female initially. Her face was swollen, eyes were swollen shut, and she was covered in blood. Her core body temperature was 86 degrees. Jesus. Her feet were black. Doctors later said she was within an hour of dying. The first thing said after being rescued, the first thing she said after being rescued was, are my kids okay? Did she, um, did she lose the baby? Also in the, the storage unit, they found the bat. Smalling later re- answered my question. I know, just wait. Smalling later realized Larson was an air traffic controller at an airport in Illinois. He could look out the window and see the storage facility from his tower and know she was suffering or dead already. So, what exactly happened? Yeah. After the initial hit, the clunk, remember? Mm -hmm. Terry woke up on the floor with David on top of her with a baseball bat. She recalled seeing pure hatred in his eyes as he swung the bat at her. She began begging him to stop, saying that he didn't have to pay child support and stuff like that. Yeah. He paused for a moment to say, your promises don't mean anything. 
I feel like he he's very religious and the vows they took at their marriage means a lot to him. Yeah. Because this is the second time he's mentioned something about We're promises being promises. broken. Yeah. yeah. David hit Terry in the head with the bat at least 20 times. Jesus. During the struggle, David had removed Terry's socks and shoes. He told Terry to just stop breathing as he tried to suffocate her. He kept trying to stuff items into her mouth. He tried to put rags, towels, and even her own socks in her mouth. I'm sorry that she had to go through all that, but he's really awful at murder. <laughs> yes. He put his... Just, just give up and stop. Stop, he, stop he breathing. breathing. He had a gun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Ken. He put his hand over so her messy. mouth, but Terry remembered something she'd seen in a movie. She kept turning her head away, causing David to lose his grip. David became frustrated that Terry was putting up a fight. He bound Terry's wrists and covered her face with duct tape. He slid her into a large plastic garbage can. And during the struggle and commotion, Terry's sweatpants had started to slip down. Mm -hmm. David actually accused Terry of taking her pants off on purpose to make it seem like he was sexually assaulting her, too. So while he was, like, trying to suffocate her, he was like, you're trying to make it look like I'm assaulting sexually? <laughs> Good nerve. What a bitch. Yeah. Terry recalls thinking at this time, I can't believe I'm still thinking. I've been hit in the head so many times. I'm bleeding from the head. If I go in the trash can head first, that'll be it. She twisted her body around and ended up feet first in the can. David carried the trash can outside. He started shoveling snow into it around Terry, whose feet and legs were bare because yeah. her pants had come off and he took off her shoes and socks. David then loaded the trash can into the bed of his truck and covered it with a tarp. Terry thought at this time, he is really killing me. I can't die. She told herself to stay alert in order to save her girls. She recalled that her cell phone was in her jacket pocket. She was able to scratch the duct tape off her wrists to free her hands, and she grabbed her phone. She dialed 911, even though she couldn't see. I forgot Remember about the first call. Yeah, the first call. So I have, they have the recording, and I just transcribed it here. The operator says, 911, mobile emergency. And all Terry says is, you can just hear her breathing. Terry says, what is your emergency? Just more breathing. Operator says, I can't hear you. Are you having difficulty breathing? And then Terry says, two, six, eight, four, one. The operator repeats the numbers, and Terry says, uh-huh. Operator says, what's the street? Terry had difficulty communicating because her face was taped up, but she managed to repeat the address five times. At this time, David was loading the girls into the cab of the truck and had begun to drive. Terry heard the emergency responders approach, then pass by as they were responding to the address. Terry was slipping in and out of consciousness while her body temperature dropped rapidly over the next hour. And remember, Terry was pregnant at the time. Yeah. The baby was severely at risk. After losing and regaining consciousness again, she called 911 again. This time, she connected to the Milwaukee County 911 Center. The operator says, can I help you? Terry says, my husband is trying to kill me. Operator, your husband is trying to kill you? Where are you? Terry, I'm under a tarp. Operator, you're under a tarp? You can't lift the tarp off your face to see where you are? Terry, uh -huh. no. Operator, does he have you handcuffed or what? Operator, masking tape. Or no, Terry says, masking tape. Operator, masking tape? Well, how are you holding the phone? Because your hands can be taped like this together that you can... Yeah, the operator just seemed like... That's the one who thought it was a prank. Yeah. The operator thought it was a prank call. Terry was desperate to give her name, David's name... 
and his address, but the operator was being a real dick. Yeah. She couldn't understand Terry and became irritated. Terry started to lose consciousness again, but as she was blacking out, she remembered the operator saying, are you going to talk to me or just breathe heavily? Wow. What a dick. Yeah. Why would, even if it's like maybe a prank, why wouldn't you err on the side of caution if you're like a dispatcher? Terry knew her life was in in serious danger, but she did not know the extent. David had beaten her so intensely that her head had swollen to three times its normal size. When Terry regained consciousness again, she managed to slip her hand out of the garbage can and around the tarp. She started waving, hoping someone would see. Unfortunately, the only one who did see was David. He pulled over and told her, one more stunt like that and I'll get out my thirty-eight. Terry was obviously terrified for her life, but she just kept thinking about her girls. They were still in the cab of the truck at this time, completely unaware that their mother was dying in the bed. After threatening Terry, he hit her again with the bat. As he was about to return to the cab, Terry's phone rang. David quickly grabbed it away from her. Her lifeline for help was now gone. David went back to the cab and continued to drive. Terry pulled the tape down to uncover one eye. She could see the tarp blowing in the wind and a and a road with farms. She had no idea where they were. She felt confident that David was looking for a place to hide her body. She thought he was looking for a lake or somewhere so secluded that no one would ever find her. The the truck finally stopped at approximately 4 p.m. David picked the garbage can up and unloaded it from the truck. He began to roll her. Meanwhile, Terry could hear her daughters running and laughing nearby. Terry decided not to call out to the girls because she knew they were too small to help. And she didn't want to traumatize them. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like that'd be putting their lives yeah. Yeah. at risk. From what she was hearing, she believed they were in a garage or something. Because of, like, it sounded... It echoed, yeah. probably. In fact, David had taken Terry to the storage garage in Wheeling, Illinois, 55 miles south of, the, of his home. David put the lid on the garbage can and began to move boxes around, stacking them on top of the can. He covered the can with two-by-fours and cardboard boxes. Terry remained quiet through the whole ordeal. She wanted David to think she was already dead. Yeah. So he wouldn't shoot her. She heard a door close and then waited a few minutes to make sure that David had left. Then she started yelling. She first called out David a couple times to confirm he was gone. With no response, she started yelling for help. After David left, he took the girls to his girlfriend's house and then went to work. Terry was was squished in a fetal position with her knees to her chest. There was snow that was becoming ice all around her. She was still bleeding from the head. She had vomited as a result of a concussion. She was in this position for over 13 hours. Jesus. Terry continued to keep herself awake, worried that if she let herself sleep, she'd never wake up. Overnight, the temperature dropped to just above zero. By this time, Terry's eyes had swollen shut. She continued to yell and scream and fight to free herself. Her core body temperature dropped to 84 degrees, and she started to get frostbite. I still can't believe she survived being hit with a bat in the head. 20 times. Right. Well, 21 times, because he did it again. Just a couple, you would think, would do it. Yeah. That's insane. So, um, I wanted to just throw this little FYI in. Um, After I mentioned that her core body temperature was 84 degrees, normal core body temperature is 97 degrees at the lowest. When the body temperature drops below 95 degrees, hypothermia starts to set in. Below 82 degrees, it becomes severe. As body temperature lowers, at first, the heart rate will increase as well as respiratory rate. This is the body's attempt to move blood quickly to help warm the body. Mm. 
As the body temperature continues to drop, heart rate, respiratory rate, and brain activity start to slow. Muscles become stiff and skin begins to turn blue. If hypothermia is severe, fluid will start to accumulate in the lungs and the sufferer may slip into a coma with a very weak pulse and slow breath rate, mimicking death. Cardi cardiac arrest and death are soon to follow. So that's at 82, and she was at 84. Frostbite can be mild, aka frost nip, superficial, or deep. If you remember the Mr. Deeds movie? Yeah. Yeah. Severe frostbite affects all the layers of skin as well as the tissue below. The tissue dies, becoming numb to temperature, pain, or discomfort, and turns black. After 27 hours in the trash can, on Sunday at 1 p.m., Terry was close to death when she heard sounds. She heard a voice and someone say, we're the paramedics. Terry was rushed to the ICU of the nearest hospital. That's where she woke up. A nurse asked her if it was okay that they shaved her head. The many wounds of her head needed stapled. Terry ignored the question and asked where her daughters were. They had been picked up and given safely to Terry's sister. At first, doctors thought they might need to do bilateral BK amp amputations as well as bilateral BE amputations. Um, Terry remembers her dad below below the knee, oh, below okay. the elbow. So, yeah. Because of the prostate. And bilateral means both. Yep. Yeah. Um, Terry remembers her dad being in the room and saying, do you really have to take her toes? Oh, dad. Yeah. Terry could not have cared less about her toes. She really only cared that she was alive and her kids were safe. Yeah. All 10 of her toes had been removed, had to be removed. Her kidneys were in the process of shutting down and as a result were damaged. The fetus Terry had car was carrying was deemed no longer viable. Oh. So she lost the baby. Terry spent almost seven weeks in the hospital and underwent 10 operations. After returning home, she remained wheelchair-bound for several weeks. She was extremely upset that she couldn't tuck her daughters into bed at night. But she was happy that they were still alive and would never see David again. Now she has full custody. David Larson was arrested and charged in state and federal court. He was convicted of federal kidnapping because he crossed state lines. Yeah. And attempted murder and two counts of obstructing child custody. I love when they just tack on little the things little just thing to, to like, murder. make it worse. He actually tried to claim amnesia in court. It didn't work. <laughs> he was sentenced to 35 years for attempted homicide and life in prison for the federal kidnapping. He was also for forced to pay $3.7 million in damages to Terry. Nice. And $300,000 to Nick and their daughters for loss of consortium. Do you remember the during the mom episode? Yeah. I told you that it's cool that you can sue like on behalf of... Damages. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Terry attended the sentencing hearing, and David glared at her the whole time. Good. I actually have a photo from <laughs> well, that. He was Do you want busy. to see? I'll show you the photo later. Yeah. Um, I hope he was real mad about it. Detective Schmalling had this to say. When you hear Terry's stories of how controlling Larson was, you think that where he is now and the fact that he has absolutely no control over anyone, he's told when to go to bed, when to get up, and what he needs to do for all the days of the rest of his life. It's kind of like a sweet... Yeah. yeah. Terry and Nick got pregnant again Good. and had a healthy baby boy named Ben in 2008. Okay. Nick and Terry have raised all three children as if they were full siblings. Ben didn't even know he was he was Amanda and Holly's half-brother. Aww. In 2010, 
Massachusetts um, correction officials uncovered what they called a complex escape plan oh, by boy. Dave. <laughs> like, why is everyone trying to escape? Well, so I mean, it's not a place you want to be. There's no, nothing else to do. Yeah, it's got I to be. I mean, yeah, I guess You're so. You're sitting you around. To do. Hypothetically, guys, how would we get out? He apparently how tried to we... fake a medical emergency. Let's and talk a... for another episode. Just how would we get out of prison? <laughs> And authorities knew right away that it was a hoax. Mm. He is now serving time in a super maximum security prison. Super max. Super max. max. <laughs> He'll stay there until he can prove that he can handle going back to a regular max security prison. I don't think he'll ever be able to prove that, but okay. <laughs> Terry said that the escape attempt didn't surprise her. She said he's getting desperate since losing a federal appeal for his life sentence. Mm. Sucks, bro. Yeah, maybe don't do maybe the don't. that you did. Yeah. In 2012, Dave tried to declare bankruptcy to avoid paying the $4 million in damages. Of course he did. A bankruptcy judge denied his request because they were awarded for willful and malicious injury mm-hmm. of another entity. Mm-hmm. Larson argued that he didn't intend for Terry to sustain the injuries that she did, <laughs> i.e. frostbite, miscarriage yeah, of the fetus, etc. He intended for her to die. And yeah. there wouldn't have been it wasn't yeah. his fault she got frostbitten and lost the baby. He didn't even know about the baby. And she fell on the bat 20 times. So it's not even like... Well, no, he's she... saying that some of the injuries oh, were not her. his intention. Okay. The court responded saying that Larson intended to injure Terry, regardless, <laughs> and the destruction of her toes and the miscarriage were foreseeable consequences. You put, you put <laughs> the put snow, snow in there. Yeah, you I put a guess. I think she's going to get that cold. You also I think he thought she would die before getting frostbitten. Mm. Mm-hmm. Chokes on and, you. And he didn't know that she was pregnant, so he couldn't know. Yeah. Terry, God only knows what he would have done. Regardless of what oh, he yeah. knew, the, the judge was like, nah. <laughs> Terry has been instrumental in helping to draft laws that protect domestic violence victims, like Wisconsin's SAFE Act and Marcy's Law. The SAFE Act takes guns out of the hands of abusers. Good. The 2014 law gives more authority to sheriff's deputies, who previously couldn't take an abuser's firearms without a warrant. Marcy's Law gives victims the constitutional right to enforce their rights in the court of law if they have been infringed upon during the criminal justice process. When asked how she found the strength to live on the bitterly cold night she was left to die, Terry quotes Nancy Reagan, which I like this quote. Ready? Mm-hmm. A woman is a tea bag. Only in hot water do you realize how strong she is. Isn't that a nice quote? It's a really good one. So I'm going to show you some photos. That's the end of the story. But I would just like to say, this is, okay. this is a mother, not right, the ones so that we start the mother's day week with a damper of a story yeah and it with a, a better one she only oh, lost her toes that was it yeah that wow. was fucking lucky yeah. they they thought they would have to do yeah. like more amputations but yeah. they actually didn't need to they just took her toes um, toes wonder how his Thanks. girlfriend i wonder if his girlfriend had any she didn't no no because well, he, he just showed up he was a girlfriend he would have used a wife story. yeah Mommy. what Mommy. i can't i'm over here how was the swing? The swing was good. The swing was good. Yeah. I want to swing. Ooh. Woo! Okay. So. Oh. We should keep that in for, like, creepiness. <laughs> yes, that could be a new insert sound. My, my two-year-old's... I thought, oh, cute, but creepy. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking it was cute, too. I was thinking, like... <laughs> In 10 years, I can listen back to this episode and hear my two-year-old's but Bailey was like, it's creepy. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day.
Well, that was sinister. And we were sarcastic. And we hope you keep listening.